Welcome into episode 69 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, Jack. Uh, much better than Kentucky basketball's resume right now. Yeah, I think uh, we all have a better resume than Kentucky basketball right now. They are sitting at 1-4 and four on the year following yet another disappointing loss, this time to Notre Dame in a – I mean, i got to be totally honest. I was fully exp- – 20 minutes into that game, I thought we were going to have our first uncensored uh, off-the-rails podcast, uh, you know, of, of – since its inception because wow I had a lot of choice words about how things were going at halftime down 22 points I believe it was the most since 1980 uh that I think 1980 was the last time at home they had trailed by nine by by over 21 points I think in 1980 they did trail by 21 points um so yeah it was uh 48 26 at halftime uh, Sean, so I'm, I want to know your initial thoughts. What were you thinking in your head at that moment in time when the clock struck zero at, after the first first half buzzer? What were you thinking in your head? What the hell are we going to talk about <laughs> for the next three months? Because I, honestly, at that point, Jack, I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking this is about to go so far off the rails that people are going to lose interest in it. Like, cause I, I thought that that's what was the, the direction it was headed. And, uh, you know, the second half, I'm sure we're going to get into that, but it literally was a tell of two halves. I don't ever remember a basketball game at any point in my life that I've watched. I've been a part of or anything that literally was that lopsided flipped around. Notre Dame was as bad in the second half as Kentucky was in the first half. Uh, Kentucky's defense though, was the difference in the second half. And honestly, Jack, Kentucky's the better team than Notre Dame. It's unfortunate that they didn't get to show that for 40 minutes, but if they had played for 40 minutes, that game is a 15 to 20 point win for Kentucky. And what's so frustrating about this is, you know, most years you can point to one individual thing or one, you know, constant trait that a team has where it's like, yeah, they do this, 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 and this. It's, that's fantastic, but they can't shoot. But they turn the ball over too much. But their defense is atrocious. With this team, you just never know what you're going to get. There's not, there, no. there has not been one game or, or one, you know, back-to-back games where it's, you know, they share a similar trait. It's, it's one thing you go, okay, oh, this team just t- turns the ball over. Cal, that was the main thing he was harping with, with, you know, Camp Cal and all that stuff. And then the very next game against against Notre Dame, eleven turnovers, four coming from Terrence Clark. You know, the turnovers weren't an issue. It was just defense. No. They, their defense was horrible. It was, it's and and defense, you could argue, has been one of UK's best traits earlier in the year. So there, I, it's just, I don't, I don't get it, man. I think the hardest thing to pinpoint with this team right now is they lost, like they lost the Richmond game because they couldn't shoot the ball. That was the whole story coming out of that game is they shot so poorly. They didn't, they didn't hit a three and then they had some turnovers. Well, they go against Kansas, same issues. Mm -hmm. Then they get to Georgia tech, Jack, you and I sitting there and they shot the ball. They hit threes and then they still lost by double digits. So then we're sitting here thinking, okay, now you got to limit the turnovers to win a game. Well, then they limited the turnovers and they still lost a game. So you're kind (laughs) of looking at it like, what exactly is the problem? It boils down to they haven't 
they they hadn't fought at any point this season until the final 20 minutes of that game. They learned to fight in that second half, and the best thing that happened, Jack, that I think that come could come out of this is that John Calipari has figured out that this team has got to press and pick up full court defensively from the opening tip. That changed the energy in the second half, and that's the one thing that I took out of this thing is that's what Kentucky needs to do. Right now, they, they can't just play in the half court. There needs to be something to kind of ignite the energy. And I thought that's what happened in the second half is once they got up in them and started picking up 90 feet, the game changed. Yeah, I think that was that was the turning point in the game, absolutely. I mean, the first half, you could tell they were just lost in the half court. I mean, there were, what, Cameron Fletcher gave up three wide-open threes, and maybe, like, there was another one that it was kind of a mix between, what, Jacob Toppin and Cameron, where it could have been – you could have put the blame on either of them. But whatever for whatever reason, there were four wide-open threes that were given up in the half court. They were just lost. They You know, their rotations were horrible. It, it, you could just tell that, that, that it was just not working. And then after the break – they kind of realize, okay, we got to get up in them. We got to, you know, show a little bit of fight, punch them back in the mouth for a change. And they did. And they were, I mean, they cut the lead from 22 down to, what, 15 in a matter of like four minutes, three minutes, something. And then it was down to eight, I believe, with like nine minutes to go. You know, whatever the case is, they were slowly chipping away at that lead and made you go, okay, this this might be what we need to do. Like you, you, you the, could tell it was just a whole different energy, whole different mindset. Exactly. There were two things that stood out to me, the initial run to get it to four. And then when Notre Dame pushed it back out to nine and things started going against them again with two Oh one to play, they fought back and gave themselves a chance to win the game. So they didn't stop fighting. I think that's the thing that we figured out Saturday. And I think that that's what they figured out is they have to fight from the moment the ball is tipped, uh, if you want to win at this level, you can't take four minutes off. And I think I still think the reason that they weren't able to get all the way back in the second half is they Notre Dame had that stretch there was at least ten minutes where they didn't score, or hit a field goal, and Kentucky had a four minute drought of their own there in the middle of it, and then they had another two or three minute drought there right before Notre Dame scored. So Kentucky didn't really capitalize, but the defensive energy was there. And I think we saw that this team has potential to be very good on that end of the floor. If they use their length. Uh, I still think that there were a couple of times, Jack, where John Calipari's rotations and the guys that were on the floor were questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is he's still trying to figure out who to play. I thought it was very surprising that Davion Mintz was not on the floor for the final shot considering that he had kind of been one of the catalysts that, that kind of got him all the way back there with his energy, the, the three-point play he made and stuff like that. But Kentucky had a shot to win the game. You can't really ask for much more. And the shot to win the game was a 16-footer from Olivier Saar from the baseline, which is his – I mean, he has made that shot 20 times this year. That is, And he made it – what five or six times earlier in that game that is his shot he is very comfortable in the mid-range you couldn't have asked for a better uh, you know a, a better last look at at the the only thing that you could probably wish out of that is that bj boston didn't bobble the ball uh, on that yeah. on that elbow because it took away a second and a half of, of time that if he didn't do that and got that look over to Olivier, Devin Askey was right there at the basket, and, and that was a game-winning putback. That would have been EJ Montgomery part two from the Florida game. I mean, that was literally it. That was that that would have been the story of uh, you know the headline of the game. But BJ Boston bobbled it, and I think you know I'm not going to blame 
a, a you know 18 19 year old kid for bobbling it with three seconds left in the game like you know that's that's just being nitpicky and and you know talking in hindsight's 2020 I mean that's stupid to nitpick that but I think we I think it is time to have a conversation about BJ Boston and his effectiveness and and how many you know I don't think the the best idea is to pull him from the game entirely I mean he's there's a reason that he was a top five recruit out of high school the potential's there he's he's shown that time and time again he's done a lot of really really solid things for this program but as of right now, he is not one of the top five options on the team. He's he's missing shots over and over again. He's turning the ball over. He's reckless. He's looking to to find his own shot first before looking to incorporate the team and and kind of have that team first mindset. And and I think it's kind of telling that as soon as he got hit on the head, which he got clobbered by Olivier Saar, I'm surprised he didn't get you know concussed. That was just a, a freaking haymaker to the top of the head. That was crazy. Um, I thought it was kind of telling that as soon as B.J. Boston got out of the game, Kentucky went on their run run. I mean, the one that, that cut the lead down to one point, and or I guess it was three by the time he got back in, and then B.J. came back in, and it, and it almost instantly shot back up to nine. And I, I hate to put it all on one on one player. It's not fair to him, but I think I, I think it is telling that – that Kentucky was able to find that momentum without him on the floor and with Davion Mintz on the court. I think that was the more Davion, less BJ at this point is kind of where my my head is is right now. Yeah, and and BJ did hit some big shots there down the stretch, yeah, especially yeah. when they were down nine. He hit the three. He had another three, uh, but he's got to get that figured out. You can't take as many shots as he's taking and shooting the poor percentage that he is. And I do think that that will average out to a higher percentage for him at some point this year. I mean, he, he did at least shoot the ball better in the second half, but they got to get that figured out. I think the one switch that I would have made there at the end of the game is I would have been running the action for Clark to come off that pin down and yeah. then get the ball in his hands and get him downhill and see if he maybe could get something to remember that 14, 15 footer that he likes. Uh, but it worked out. The only thing the bobble cost him was the chance to get the, the tip in. Uh, that that's why Cal threw his towel there at the end of the game. I thought it was more that they slow things down. You know, that's the play that Cal goes to. That is exactly what Cal's going to go to every time in that situation. If you remember in 2014 SEC title game against Florida when James Young come off and slipped. Yep. Oh, the free throw line. Wow. It was the exact same set, exact same play, looking to get somebody to the rim. And if they if they blitz that that screen there, then you look for the the big. And boy, it was. Uh, I'm on the opposite side, and it looked like that shot was falling. And you take that with him every single time. But the telling thing, Jack, and this is the reason why I think they got it figured out. As soon as that shot was off the mark, Olivier Sar dropped his head, mm-hmm. was like bent over. B.J. Boston walking off, Terrence Clark, they both see him. They go over. Terrence Clark literally lifts his chin up. And then there's the rest of their teammates walking off arm in arm. That's the moment that I think we'll look back. And that's the turning point. And I'm not saying it's the turning point to winning a national championship. It's not the turning point to winning a Final Four. It's the turning point to getting this thing going in the right direction to where you can at least give yourself a chance to do something in the postseason. Because right now they're in a hole with their resume. They don't, they're not a tournament team if you're going off of what they are right now. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot of work to do. But that was the thing that stood out to me is that they came together in that moment. And here's the deal. If that shot falls, it doesn't change the way I feel after those final 20 minutes. Those final 20 minutes was enough for me to think that there's something there. There's a pulse, and Calipari found that they do have a heartbeat, and they're still alive. One and four is one and four. 
you and the resume, yeah, as you said, the resume speaks for itself. It is, it is not a a pretty one right now. But yeah, I, I think I think that heart. It, one of the things we both said after Georgia Tech, I believe, and I, I believe it might have even been after Kansas as well, where we were like, man, I don't know if these kids care. I don't know if they care about losing. I don't know if they if they have that you know that that it factor that they that you know that killer instinct to make you go, you know, we gotta we gotta win that. And that final 20 minutes made me go, yeah, these kids care. And I don't think it's fair to say that they don't. You know, I, I think they went out of their way to show, yes, we're a broken team. We're sorry things aren't going the way that, you know, everybody kind of hyped them up to be, how, how much we hyped them up to be, how much the coaching staff hyped them up to be. This is not going the way it is. But I just want you, you know, as the players, it felt like they were letting us know we do care about this and we are going to turn this thing around. And that's that's one thing that – I was I was very frustrated in the first half. It felt like it was just rewind, repeat. They didn't care about being out there. They didn't. They, they thought they were world, world beaters, couldn't be topped. And it was yeah, it was like something clicked in that second half where they just wanted to remind us, hey, we're still we're still getting there. We're you know it's it's a process. This is, might be a little bit longer of a process than we all bargained for. What we all thought when we signed up for this. But we're going to get there. And that was something that, yeah, I think you look at that game, you look at that last 20 minutes and go, you know what? One and four and one and four is, is it, it's, it sucks. But it, we could work with well, this. We could definitely work with this. You, you can. And I think I said it Monday when we were recording in Atlanta there before we left. I said, the one thing that I'm looking for is just something to be different. Just show me something. And they, they showed us, they, honestly, they showed a lot in the second half they showed us how well they can defend if they're locked in and doing it together and they just played with energy and i tweeted this i said you can coach mistakes but you can't coach effort and for the second half there wasn't any effort to coach the effort was there it was just now the mistakes and if i'm john calipari i burn every piece of film before that final 20 minutes i get rid of it i don't ever let these kids see any of that again the only thing I'm showing is those final 20 minutes. And I'm like, and, and just say, look, this is who you are when you want to be this. This is who you need to be. There's still a lot of things to improve, but that's a starting point. And for a team that's one and four, Jack, let's face it, their season's on the brink the next two weeks. Yes. If they don't get something, if they, they need both these wins. You can't just have one of them. you got to have both of them because you've got to have something on your resume going into conference play. Because conference play is not going to be what it normally is. I mean, you never know like what's going to happen with COVID cases or you know pauses or shutdowns and everything like that. And I think we can we're to the point now that we know that any team in SEC can beat this Kentucky team right now. I also feel like Kentucky can beat any team they play in the SEC. I think it goes both ways, but there has to be something to show on the resume because you do not want to go into SEC play one and six. I, I just don't know. You have to go on a hell of a run to to make the tournament. I just feel like that it, even in a shortened season, the committee's still a committee, and the body of work still a body of work. And Kentucky does not have a very good body of work right now. Yeah, it it definitely feels like that 2013 2014 team where it was like we just got to get some level of momentum to get into the postseason because right now it just kind of feels like they're 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 drowning. They're trying to find, you know, stay above water as much as they can. But, yeah, I mean, I remember back in that year well, where every single win was just like, oh, man, we needed well, that one. And if you remember that year, too, what cost them was their non-conference. They didn't get anything in the non-conference. They lost to Baylor at home. 
Uh, they lost to Louisville on the road. I think they didn't they lose. They lost the Champions Classic game to Duke. I don't think they had a really good non-conference win. So they beat up on the mid-major programs and stuff they played that season. So they didn't have anything to show, and they did get some wins in the SEC, but it still wasn't enough. So yeah. I, I, in this, who knows what? I, that's the thing. I don't know what the NCAA is looking at this season, but if Kentucky is one and six in non-conference play, and let's say, is it an eighteen-game SEC schedule? Is that what they're playing? Uh, eighteen and uh, set and eight, eight, twenty-seven games total. I think. So okay. yeah, whatever. In which they lost Detroit. So yeah. Uh, so then you're thinking, what? You got to probably win third. You got to go thirteen and five in league play to probably give yourself a chance if you go into this one and six. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Like it's it's going to be hard. Is what I'm trying to prepare people for. And I think everybody knows that this isn't your normal season where they're struggling and they have time to figure it out. They've got to get it figured out this Saturday against UCLA, and then they've got to get it figured out following the day after Christmas against Louisville. They need both these wins. That Texas game in January is going to be that, massive for their resume. That is that, that's the one. And, and that's the thing, too. Are, is the NCAA, are they going to look at this thing as early season and just say it's weird and then kind of evaluate things differently as we go? Are, I mean, are a lot of teams going to have poor records? Are you going to throw mid-major programs in there instead of the Blue Blood programs that are going to maybe the record's not going to be as good? Uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting to to see how they're going to play this out. I do think. I mean, I do think Kentucky's one of the top sixty eight teams in college basketball, regardless sure. of the record right now. And I think they will be when the season comes to a close, regular season wise. But we just got to figure out exactly what the NCAA is going to value this year in such a weird season. Is the NCAA going to give Duke a pass for skipping out on three non conference games? Exactly. That's the thing that's going to be hard to judge. As I just don't know what they're going to look at. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you kind of look at that situation with college football right now. Ohio State playing five games or whatever they have, you know, already, you know, kind of, yeah, it's it's almost the same thing. What What is the committee going to value going into that last stretch of, okay, are we going to value that these teams perform better with less games because they had to cancel due to this, or or are we going to give the the teams that played more games a pass for losing more games because they actually played them? I don't know. That's that's really tough. That's going to be a very tough decision for for the committee moving forward. I, I do want to I do want to say this too, Jack. We haven't really talked about Dante Allen. I know you and I have had conversations about him, and you know, he didn't get in the game Saturday, which really surprised me, honestly, given how poorly they played in the first half. That you didn't give the other scholarship guy that was healthy an opportunity to do something. Uh, I know Dante had a tweet last night that a lot of people freaked out about. I, I think I had 10 to 15 people send me that tweet and ask me what in the heck it was about. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it is not It is not about transferring. I talked to Dante's family last night. It is literally just I'm getting in the gym. I'm taking ownership of this thing, and I'm going to get – and I'm going to make sure I, I, I have a reason to play. I give everybody a reason to play. That was the message I got. Yes, and I heard the same thing. And, and Sean, you want me to share a little bit of scoop on on you know this is the source. We, we, these have been game breakdowns. We haven't even gotten the chance to give any scoop in a while because it's just recruiting's been at a standstill and and the season's going on. You want me to share a little bit of scoop, Sean? Scoop it. Well, um, there are teams that are interested in Dante Allen's services, mm -hmm. and they have made that clear to individuals surrounding. Uh, Dante Allen's camp. They it would be they're not allowed to reach out to him directly, obviously. But there are teams, local teams in particular, especially some located in Bowling Green, 
Um, <laughs> that, yep. that and, uh, and there's some more up the road too. <laughs> a little bit up the road as well, uh, maybe close closer to home, that have expressed interest in Dante Allen's services and would love for him to join at some point, potentially maybe even as, as early as next season. Um, yeah. But on the on the flip side, while there is you know some some level of interest from other schools, especially locally, about bringing in Dante Allen as a transfer, he is 100% focused on this season. Yes, this season has not gone the way he had anticipated. Uh, he, I mean, it's obvious you can look at him, you can talk to him. He'd tell you that he wishes that he were in the game right now and had had more opportunities. It's not yeah. a, like that's not a secret. You know, he's not gonna obviously he's gonna say all the right things, but. A, a kid that grew up dreaming of playing for Kentucky and playing for Coach Cal, not having the opportunity to come in and do what he's best at, knock down shots and score. I mean, yeah, of course he's going to be a little frustrated, but he's not interested in, in leaving right now, and that's something yeah. that is no. that, that fans he's can not. hold on to. That's that's a a very strong sign for the future that he's going to be patient. I don't know how patient because if this if this lingers into next season. Is that when we start talking about potential? Yeah, I think that's that would be a very realistic thing, especially knowing that there are other schools, especially locally, that are like, hey, we know we value what you bring to the table, and we could bring you in and, and put you in now. And, and Sean, I kind of want to lead that into this next little segment, talking about the the rotation and who. Okay, so you look at the the box box score. There were only seven players on the roster that had over fifteen minutes. So the, the we we talked about this going into the year. Oh, there are eleven scholarship guys. How is this going to work? Well, we're only five games into the year, and Cal has already essentially cut that rotation down to seven. Um, yep. But are those seven pieces? Jacob Toppin getting eighteen minutes, uh, one of five shooting, zero from two for from three, two re, or three rebounds, one assist, two fouls, two points. Um, you know, and Devin Askew being the other one, you know, obviously he's going to stick in the rotation. But where where would you go with the rotation right now? Um, I, I know that he's trying to kind of force feed Lance where he had eight minutes, but it's very apparent that he's just not ready right now. And I, I, it, I me personally, I don't think there's any reason to, to play Lance Ware over Dante Allen. That's just me, my personal opinion. And Cameron Fletcher, I've been hyping him up. I hyped him up on the KSR pregame show literally two hours before – the, the game tipped off in saying that he was the answer. He could start at the four in, in that small ball four lineup, and he was one of the most disappointing players of the game. He gave up three after three. He only played four minutes, and he was probably the biggest net negative on the team uh, in the very limited opportunities that he had. So, you know, I can't even vouch for him much longer. I mean, he he, he did get that opportunity, and, and he just he blew it. So I'm, I'm very curious what you think of the rotation who needs to be added? Who needs to be taken out? How would you distribute minutes right now if you were Coach Cal? Well, I think what's coming is I think this is going to be a seven-man rotation, but it's seven counting Keon Brooks. I don't yeah. think that it's going to be an eight-man rotation when Keon Brooks returns. I think you're going to see B.J. Uh, Boston, Terrence Clark, Olivier Saar, Davion Mintz, Isaiah Jackson, Devin Askew, and Keon Brooks. I think that's the rotation. Unless something happens and they get in foul trouble at some point in the game, and you got to go to a Jacob Toppin, I, I just don't know. There, there was a play in the second half with Jacob Toppin, and he let's put it this way: he's been significantly off the mark from three point <laughs> range this year. That, that's probably putting it a lot way. If 
put it this way. If we were in the battlefield together, I don't want him throwing grenades yeah. because <laughs> if he does, we're, we're done. Uh, there was a play in the second half, Jack, where he caught it in rhythm, should have been a three-pointer, and he drew, he dribbled in a step and took a 15-footer and missed it. That should have been a three-point shot instead of a 15-footer. He didn't have the confidence to take it. Uh, airballed a three there at one point off an offensive rebound. Two of the worst, two of the worst misses in the history of misses with BJ well, Boston clanking it off the left side of the rim, and then him getting the the rebound <laughs> clank, and he didn't even he didn't even he didn't even hit the rim. He just airballed no, the hell out of it. That was, almost took somebody's head off on the other side of the rim. I think those were two of the uh, worst misses I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it was bad. It was awful. And then two, there was a play there in the, in the middle of that run. It was an eight point game. Kentucky's making a run, and he forces a jump hook and then gets an over-in-the-back call. Devin Askew was wide open on the other side for a skip pass. Devin Askew's defender was in help position and had had showed the back of his head. It should have been an open, uncontested, in-rhythm three for Devin Askew that possibly could have cut the game to five. And Jacob Toppin instead shot a jump hook and then followed it with an over-the-back foul. He plays hard, though. That's what's getting him minutes right now, I think. I do think he's a better option than Lance Ware. The two are totally different, though. Lance is kind of one of these guys that Cal's trying to buy some minutes to rest Sar. Jackson getting in foul trouble obviously hurt him Sunday, too. You know, he didn't play as many minutes with those two early fouls. But I do think this is a seven-man rotation. But I'll also say this about Dante Al. Here's the thing with this. If it's because he turned the ball over against Georgia Tech, tell me who in the hell on this team has not turned the ball over more than they should have this season. Yeah, yeah. The mistake if if, that, if those are the mistakes that you're sitting Dante Allen for, it makes no sense because everyone else on this roster has committed the same mistakes. And I'll also say this: if you had the confidence to run an Iverson cut for him to win the game in the Champions Classic against Kansas, why don't you give him a chance to do the one thing that you're struggling to do right now, and that is shoot the ball? I think that is the question of the hour, and I think that's what a lot of fans are wondering and curious about and worried about with Dante Allen's situation. With his, you know, the the tweet at the your your first glance looking at that tweet, you go, "Uh oh, he's gone." Like, let's check the transfer portal. Uh, but you know, the more you look at it with the on me hashtag and all that, you you could tell he it, it's more of a yes. I, I need to get back in the gym. I'm going to prove to everybody that I deserve to be here, and I think that's the mindset to have. But Kyle's got to give him that opportunity. Uh, like you said, if if you're worried about stupid turnovers, then you got to pull everybody from the lineup because they're all turning the ball yeah. over. If you're worried about defensive, you know, miss miss rotations and and you know giving up easy one on one baskets on the defensive end, then you can take pretty much everybody else off the floor too because Dante Allen's not any worse than anybody else. They're they're all no. just as bad right now. So if you if there's one thing to look at, it's yeah. Everybody's struggling at individual things. Why is Dante the outlier here? Why does why well, is he seen as the well, he's doing it a little bit worse than everybody else? It's not fair to him. It's not. And then here's the other side of this. You would have such negative PR if you lose the Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky out of your program. That that is one thing that I don't think that Cal can can lose, Jack. Uh Cal's going to face Johnny Juzang this Saturday. You see Jamal Baker, what he's doing at Arizona right now. He's had some big scoring nights. I just watched where Quade Green had some highlights last night. Now, Quade's situation was entirely different. He just wasn't a good fit yeah. uh, for what Cal wants to do offensively. But I feel like at some point, players like Dante Allen, if they do decide to go to Kentucky, they have to feel like that they can help. Because I think it's different 
when you're an in-state kid and you grew up watching this program and you, and honestly, let's put it like it is. I was told Dante Allen feels like he can help this team. Yeah. And that's not just being and you know, an arrogant, you know, player or something like that. That is a, a confidence in knowing that he wants to help get this fixed. And honestly, I think he deserves a chance and I think he deserves more than one look. I, I'd like to see Cal just play him some extended minutes. If he makes a mistake, so be it. Who hasn't made a mistake on this team? I think the leash has to be longer with a lot of these guys, honestly. It can't be so short. Like right now, I love Devin, Devin Askew, but is there any way that Johnny Juzang's getting that leash? No, if he had been at Kentucky. Uh, I think that you've got to find those those type of kids. If you ever want to have some experience and you ever want to get away from the one and done and kind of balance this thing out, not saying you want to get away from recruiting elite talent, but if you ever want to have some sophomores, juniors, guys that are willing to stick around, they have to feel like there's a place for them in this program. And, yeah, and right now Dante Allen is in that in-between stage where, yeah, and I think somebody in Dante's family reached out to me during the Richmond game, I believe, is when he got that when, – when he didn't get that opportunity. Or maybe it was – yeah, I think it was Richmond. Was that the one where he, he didn't – get a single minute the second game of the yeah. year yeah uh yep. where they reached out and said yeah dante they, they could use some scoring they, they could use a scoring punch right now really wish they gave dante a shot and it's just like yeah i completely agree it's it's just it's rough i understand well, i understand well, Cal's point but go for it i i understand cal's point i understand that yes he is a defensive liability right now and some of the turnovers that he committed against georgia tech were just inexcusable i mean some of the some of the passes down down low I mean they were just so off and and so mistimed and and I mean just easy easy steals for for Georgia Tech and and those are the type of things that swing momentum away from Kentucky and if you're Calipari that you look at that and you go see that's why but on the other end BJ Boston's given turned the ball over just as much he's given up just as many baskets on the other end it's just because he doesn't have the top five, five superstar name tag associated with him it, it, he doesn't get that same that same leash no. where bj boston's allowed to work through some of those mistakes whereas dante allen if he makes one or two mistakes it's gone and you're done for the game and and i think that mindset is something that is hurt with michael Mulder. it's hurt with jamal baker it's it's hurt with you know johnny juzang you go down the list Derek willis his first couple of years i was worried that he was going to be another one of those you know one or two year transfer guys same situation it it's just at some point, you gotta you gotta extend that leash just a little bit. You you have to, and the problem is, we're not talking about a five and 4 and one Kentucky team. We're talking about a one and four Kentucky team. And if you're struggling to get on the floor with a one and four team, you have to sit there and wonder what it means for next year and the year after that when Kentucky's not one and four. Because we know this isn't going to be the trend every single year. Yeah. So the, I think that's the other thing you have to look at too from that from that standpoint. But you know, some of the turnovers there in the Georgia Tech game, you and I, we don't get to – we didn't really have replay and stuff. We couldn't really see it, but I did go back and watch. The 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 steps, the one where he walked, that was just bad. He got sped up. Mm -hmm. uh, the one where he was trying to throw a quick post-entry pass to Sar, Sar actually didn't seal his man or it would have been a good pass. So, That's But it's true. one of those things where Dante knows that he has to take care of the basketball. But I also like the message that I got last night, that he feels like he can help. And that was what that tweet was about. It wasn't about bailing out. It was about, I'm going to do everything that I can to get myself an opportunity to help this team, help this state, and help this university that I grew up cheering for. Yeah, and I hope Calipari sees that and gives him that same opportunity. And, and 
you know, I don't know if this is a good – I mean, you know, this might be a great opportunity for him this weekend against UCLA. I mean, that – shoot, why, why wouldn't you – you know, counter the Johnny Juzang attack on the other end with Dante Allen, very similar situation, very similar, you know, play styles, that score first mentality who had his, you know, struggles defensively and all that. Very similar, very similar situations. This would be a perfect opportunity for Cal to say, you know what, maybe I did make some mistakes with Johnny Juzang. Maybe I made some mistakes with Jamal Baker. Go down the list of those guys. Maybe it is time. Maybe it is, it is a chance he's going to see. And I thought it was a good matchup for him against Notre Dame too. I thought that that was the kind of matchup, though they're not, like, uber-athletic. I thought that that was the kind of team. The message that I got, too, Jack, is that Dante feels like that he can impact this team more than just shooting the basketball. You know, I've, I've, I've been told that he is doing some good things in practice. I think he's leading them, I think, in steals and practices and stuff like that with uh, Davion Mintz is what I was told. Uh, but we'll see exactly what happens. Uh, we'll just have to, to wait and see. And if he gets an opportunity, he has to take advantage of it because that's the kind of person Cal is. That's the kind of coach Cal is. Uh, he wants to see, and it might be one of those things where Dante just has to go in and say, Hey, you're going to have to play me. You're going to have to give me some minutes because I can't help this team. Yeah. This, I think this is a very big week for him. Uh, if, if he has that mindset that he's kind of hyping himself, uh, himself up to have and, and, you know, kind of putting that on his shoulders, like, yeah, I got this. I, that's the, those are the type of things that Calipari sees. He 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 notices that extra effort in practice. Why do you think Cameron Fletcher got the start in back-to-back games or whatever it was? You know, the games two and three or three and four, whatever it was. It's because Cal saw in practice that he was the guy diving on loose balls and he was doing. You know, he's Cal is not afraid to play guys. It's more so he's afraid to keep guys in. He'll give you that chance. Uh, was it? I think game one wasn't like. Jacob Toppin, the first guy off the – or, like, rotation guy number <laughs> seven or eight or something. It was just like, whoa, that's something that just came out of left field. He He's not afraid to play these guys. Dante will get another opportunity, and, and I know it's kind of a lot to ask to say, well, you know, just come in and don't make mistakes. Come in and make shots. I mean, yeah, you could say that about everybody, but – I do think that this could be a big week for Dante to prove to the coaching staff that, yeah, I, I understand that I might not have been as serious in practice. I haven't been giving it my all. Maybe it was something like that. I mean, that that's kind of what it, the, the tweet indica- indicated. So, yeah, I think this is a big week for him, and it would be a great opportunity against UCLA and, and maybe turn things around on his end because UK could absolutely – use his his scoring punch right now um that'd be that'd just be massive right now okay well well the the thing one more thing on Dante and I'll let you wrap it up the thing with him is when it goes when it comes out of his hand every shot he's had this year I thought was going in yes it, it felt like it had a chance and uh I just think that you kind of need that they they need something there and uh especially the way that they're struggling until BJ Boston gets going I, I will say this this team will go as BJ Boston goes too. Like Terrence Clark is starting to get it figured out. He's still committing some turnovers. That's something that they're just going to have to play through right now with him playing the point guard position. Olivier Saar, you saw exactly what he's built out to be. That is Olivier Saar, that face-up game, that 14, 15-footer, so skilled. The post move that he made to cut it to oh, one, beautiful. to give them the chance to win it. That was the play of the game, in my opinion, before the, the winning shot. That move was beautiful in traffic, but – B.J. Boston, if he gets it figured out, Jack, then you're starting to see you got something with Sar, You've got something with Clark. Davion Mintz is finding his role. I think he's going to shoot the ball better. It should be noted that he is the only one 
that has a very good assist to turnover ratio. He's got 15 assists and nine turnovers. The only other player on the roster that's in the in the plus side, Cameron Fletcher, with three assists to two turnovers. <laughs> which honestly, you can kind of throw that out because he doesn't really touch the ball yeah. a ton. But Davion Mintz, he tied for the lead in steals on the team. He's at 84. I think it's 80, maybe 88 percent free throw shooter. I can't remember. I tweeted it earlier. Uh, he's he's showing up everywhere. He's going to shoot above 30% from three. He's not going to be a 22% three-point shooter the entire year. You've got something with him, Sar, Clark. You get Boston going. You get Keon Brooks back. You find a way to win the next two, and you're starting to see it. Just let it build. Let it pile on and say, okay, let's take something from this game. Let's take something from this game. What this team right now needs is just a taste of winning, and then you never know. They might go on one of those Calipari roles that these, these Kentucky teams typically do. Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest takeaway for sure. Uh, I, I wanted to get out out of here with this. We, you know, you just kind of hinted at it a little bit, but Terrence Clark taking over at the point guard spot. This is something that we have talked about on this show since we first before you before you were even a, a co-host here. We were talking about this on this show for months about how this is something that that Cal was hinting at that he was interested in that uh, Terrence Clark was recruited here to do, and that's that's share some time at the point guard spot. Cal doesn't make promises. He doesn't do that on the recruiting trail, but this was something that he kind of told him, like, hey, we understand that you are very confident with the ball in your hands. You do a lot of dynamic things. You're, you're a, a very versatile guy with the ball in your hands. Let's We're, we're going to work you in there. We're going to see what you have. Sean, first, first game uh, of his point guard, you know, he's kind of flirted with – flirted with it a little bit in the first couple games. He's had little spot minutes here and there at the point guard position. But this is the first time that he has has truly taken over the point guard position. 39 minutes, 14 points uh, on 6 of 13 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3. Uh, I believe he had 3 assists, 2 rebounds, uh, and 4 turnovers. So a lot to like about his performance, a lot to go, okay, ugh, yeah, we, we got to fix that. What? How confident are you in in Terrence taking over that position, and and you know your comfort level in that being a long term move? I'm always confident when your best player is touching the ball that many times. It look at the football situation last year with Lindbode. Best player touches the ball. Uh, Terrence Clark is their best player, Jack. He, I, I think that that's their guy. Sars going to do his thing. BJ Boston's going to do his thing. But I think that Terrence Clark with the ball in his hands will be the best thing for this team as this season goes along. Two of those turnovers the other day, just stupid. The one in the first half that he tried to throw over his shoulder <laughs> to, to Fletcher. Just, that's an AAU play. Yeah, uh, That's stuff that I make my kids run for during drills and practice. If you try to do <laughs> too flashy, I'm going to make you run. The thing is, don't don't try to do a million-dollar move when it's just for two, when it's two points. It yeah. doesn't matter. Uh, the one in the second half he made there, too. But he also made a beautiful – Passed to Olivier Saar on the and one, and you started to see some of the things. His stroke looks so much better than people give him credit for. It looks good out of his hands. I think that mid range 14 footer, 15 footer, I think that's going to be his game. That and getting to the rim. The other thing, too, we've really not got to see this team get out and transition and make any highlight plays. And I think that's something that you're going to see as they get more comfortable with one another. I think Terrence Clark will be uh, helping with that, too, with the ball in his hands. So I like it. I like the move. It gives them the best chance to win. Slide Devin Askew and Davion Mintz off the ball. Like I said, Davion Mintz is going to shoot the ball better. I still think Devin Askew is one of the better shooters on the, on the team. His load-up's kind of slow, 
and he has a hard time kind of getting some shots off at times. But uh, all these guys, they all they need all of them to do their thing. And, you know, I want to say earlier about the leash with Devin Askew. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be playing. I'm just saying that it's it's wild that, you know, Cal, there's a reason Cal kept pushing him and keeps playing him because I think he know. It, I will say this, his defensive effort for Maskew in the second half was very good the other day. His energy was really I good. I liked his whole game. I was very impressed with Devin on, on Saturday. I really well, was. He, he didn't do anything to hurt him. Yeah. He's not showing up. Like, you're not seeing the assist and all stuff. But honestly – he doesn't have the ball in his hands anymore. His role is kind of off the ball and defend now. He knocked down the shot in the corner. It was a huge three to get that game to 10. I thought that was showed a lot of confidence to pull that. Mm-hmm. That's who Devin Askew is, Jack. Well, I, he didn't do anything to kill him. Yeah, I think I wholeheartedly agree with that. I thought how the, the roles of everybody, Dave, Davion kind of taking over that – I you know I I can kind of take games over myself and drive to the rim and I can get some and one buckets and I can hit some shots yeah I, I thought I thought that was Davion Mintz's game I thought Devin as the three and D type guy I thought it was perfect I thought that's exactly what he needs to be moving forward and Terrence Clark at the one what was so funny is you, you go on Twitter and all the fans and even some some prominent media members were saying uh, well. UK, yeah, all the people that were saying that Terrence Clark is your point guard, here's what you get, ha, 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 kind of like poking fun at it. I'm like, did, like, did people have the same mentality when Lynn Bowden took over at quarterback and he made a couple bad passes and, and threw his first in, interception or whatever? I mean, did, did, were you expecting him to go out and throw 350 yards and four touchdowns? And, you know, like, what, what were you expecting when Lynn Bowden first got in the game? It's the same thing with Terrence Clark. This is his first time playing point guard at the college level. Like, Obviously, you have to give him some level of 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 a leash. Like, yeah, of course he's going to make some stupid turnovers. Of course he's going to make. It's a long play. It's not. You're not doing this as a. Oh, we need to get this fixed and fix this right. You're going. Hey, he's our best player. We need to put the ball in the best player's hands. More often than not, he's going to make the the right play. He's going to make the. And I think his stat line literally perfectly describes how he played. 14 points, 6 of 13 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3. Fantastic. 3 assists. Great. 4 turnovers. Ugh. Like you you live with that. That's what that's what it is. That, that's what you're expecting to start. More this. good more good than bad will come from Terrence Clark playing point guard. Yes. More good than bad will come from it. They will they that's and that was the thing that Cal ended his presser with Saturday. They're going to kind of evolve around him now that he's playing point. Things are going to count. They'll figure out who they are. Their identity will start to come in place. And that's your point guard. He's going to play the most minutes of anyone on this roster. He is the guy that you got to have on the floor. Uh, and I think that that's the thing. Once you get BJ Boston, that's his, his form looks too good to not be at least a 33, 34% three point shooter by the time the season moves along, Jack. There, there's no way BJ Boston's a 19% three point shooter. Sure. His stance is a little wide. I think that's something that you'll see change as he moves up into the professional level of basketball and things like that. But stroke looks too good at the top. It's consistent, and I think that he's going to find, figure his thing out as well. And uh, I do think that this team will just get better and better each and every week. But that doesn't mean they're going to get in the tournament. They have got to do something now to make sure that they give themselves a chance in March. Yeah, I, I think Terrence Clark at the one is a win now and win later move. It's one that – you could tell that there were very serious issues with Askew as the as the main guy, and, and even at times D- uh, Davion. This was something that okay, we got to 
get the ball out of his hands, get him in a situation where he's much more comfortable, and let Terrence Clark kind of be the 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 you know the guider of all of this. He 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 controls the flow of the game. He's the one that kind of dictate dictates things on both ends of the floor. Um, yeah, I, I think he is a work in progress. There's a reason that. Uh, that Cal said, yeah, he made a lot of mistakes that are inexcusable. He can't do this, 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 and this. But look at this. Look at this. Look at how he did this. Look at this. I mean, there were so many things that you look at and go, wow. Okay, that right there is why he is, why he played 39 minutes and why Cal is so confident in him. And I, if, if Cal is that confident in him, then I, I sure as hell am too. So uh, we'll we'll get out of here with that one. Um, obviously a massive game this weekend. Must win. This Notre Dame was a must win just to kind of get things back on the right track. This UCLA game is a must-win in terms of if if they don't win these next couple games, the season could be you know we NCAA tournament could be an afterthought. I mean, this is we are approaching 100% must-win territory. We we're in it. No other option but to but to beat UCLA and Cleveland. So, Sean, I appreciate you jumping on as always. This was a lot of fun. Um, One. One thing. It. Let's let's throw this in here. Kyra Elsey has officially been named the head coach of the Kentucky women's basketball program. The interim tag is off, Jack. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's well-deserved. I mean, shoot, starting the season 6-0, and as as playing as well as we've seen early in the year, Matthew, Matthew Mitchell years, like this is – they have one hell of a team. They're loaded from top to bottom. The NCAA is about to rule, I believe, on, on Wednesday, I, I believe, of the instant transfer rule that would allow Jasmine Massengill to – uh, become a, a former five-star recruit transfer from Tennessee. She'll be allowed into the games as as well. So they they as good as they are right now. They might even get better this time by the time we have our next show. So yeah, well deserved by Kyra Elsey. Very proud of that program. Um, I mean, obviously a last-second thing to have Matthew Mitchell leave, and and I mean that was just a pretty rough situation. But man. How about them just kind of taking this thing over and and kind of being the? They, I mean, they're the headlines right now. They're they're what everybody's talking about, not the men's team. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're definitely worthy of all the attention right now and talk. That's that's a good basketball team who has a chance to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament this season. Uh, well, that was a, a lot of fun. Looking forward to following their season and obviously Kentucky here on Saturday against UCLA. So, Sean, uh, with that, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back after the game on Saturday, hopefully with a win. We've been saying that for like – four straight weeks and we haven't gotten anywhere so please we need it must win territory let's make it happen we'll see you guys next.